father was driving past the cemetery and looked over and there was a pile of dirt and he hears from the back seat his five-year-old says hey look dad one of them got out aren't you glad this morning he got out come on he got out of the grave and he's alive and he's seated at the right hand of the father we are thankful for that praise the lord so if you have your bibles turn to first corinthians 15 and i hope this morning that you believe in the resurrection of the dead because that's what this is all about it is the center point of christianity it is why we are here and in first corinthians 15 1 it says now i make known to you brethren the gospel which i preached to you which also you received in which also you stand by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. Come on, say he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. Amen. I feel this morning just to share with you some things that are important. How many know the resurrection happened? <laughs> Come on. And it is the event that changed all of history. Before and after, it's all centered on the resurrection. And so Paul here, speaking to the church at Corinth, he, he exhorts and reminds them of this. He exhorts and reminds them of the importance of the gospel. The importance of the gospel, and he says, it should be of first importance. And I hope this morning, and I ask you this morning, is the gospel of first importance in your life? Because if not, it needs to be, and maybe that will happen today. How many know it's a new day? It's a new week, and you have a new opportunity today to start afresh. The resurrection's about a restart. It's about a, it's about a chance to start over. How many, how many have needed some do-overs in life? I've needed some do-overs. And so I'm thankful that God gives us. He's the God of the second chance. He, he loves us. He forgives us. He, his grace is ever available to us. And that is the gospel. The reality is that literally everything else in life is meaningless if the gospel is not of first importance. The priority of the gospel. And he says this, he says, when I preach to you the gospel, you know the gospel is simply this, it means really, really good news. I think there's a shout in that. There's a really, really good news too good to be true news like i can't believe that kind of news that's the gospel and he says this is of first four and foremost importance and that's what we celebrate this morning and you know the title of this section in my bible says the facts of the resurrection so if there's a doubt in your heart i hope this morning the holy spirit will come and and, and remove every doubt and that he will open your heart, because I know this, he is faithful to bring the word and pierce our hearts with it. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Speak to us this morning. 
But I want to talk to you about three proofs of the resurrection this morning that Paul outlines in this passage. And the number one proof is this. It's the power of the gospel itself to transform lives. Look at this. All around you is living proof of that Jesus is still alive. Come on. All around you is living proof that God is still alive and that he's alive in the hearts of his people. We've seen, you look around this place and there are people, I know they look all nice and pretty today, but how many know there was some time in your life you didn't look that way? How many know there was some time in your life before Jesus where it was a little bit different? I, my countenance was different. My, my look was different. I didn't have this countenance, this shining, smiley face. I had a frown, but God turned it around. Come on. God gave me something to be joyful about. God changed me from the inside out. He made me, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus because of what he did. Old things are passed away. And all over this place are people whose lives have been transformed. So if you came in here this morning and could say, I don't know if I can be like these people. Well, you, that, that, that's God who does that thing. We're only what we are by the grace of God. Whatever good thing it is, is in me, it's of the Lord. It's his work. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Somebody say everyone who believes. To the Jew first and then to the Greek. You see, yes, we have historical proof and witnesses, and, and we weren't privileged to be there when he, he was walking the earth and resurrected as, as those disciples were, but how many know he's living in us? That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, and it's quickening us this morning. He's working in us. He's working through us. But the greatest proof of the resurrection is the church, that we are even here. That we're alive this morning. Turn to somebody and say, are you alive? <laughs> You're breathing. You got hope. Come on. <laughs> There are testimonies of lives changed, addictions broken, chains broken, hopeless, people who were hopeless and in despair, finding hope, finding life. But he says to the Corinthians, you received it. So you see the first step in responding to the gospel is this, to receive it. To receive it. And there is, a, there, is a, there is a response, there's a condition upon receiving. You see, the gospel is of only any benefit to those who will receive it and stand in it. Who will receive it and stand in it. And we're living in times where your standing is going to get tested, church. But how many know that's the power of the gospel? It's powerful enough to keep you. It's powerful enough. And through all of history, the gospel has persevered. Through every generation, they tried to stomp it out. They tried to kill it. They tried to persecute it. But it just kept rising up and rising up. And in the earth today, it's still at work in the hearts of people across the nations of the world. Yes. Believers in Iran, one of the greatest revivals on earth is happening in some of the most repressed countries, the most persecuted areas. They can't stop it. It's an unstoppable force in the earth, and that is a proof 
of the resurrection power. Hallelujah. John 1, 1, 11 through 112 says, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him. Are there some of the many here this morning? To them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, come on, how many know that's, he's, in, he's, he's proof of the resurrection power. The man who denied Jesus is now standing up in front of 3,000s preaching with boldness the gospel. And as he declares it, he declares and he's speaking to these men of Jerusalem and he says to them how Jesus, about Jesus and how he was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men, put to death how God had raised him up, putting in an end, listen to this, putting an end to the agony of death. Come on putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. He's the God of the impossible. Peter then explains that this was the fulfillment of the prophecy David gave in Psalm 16 that he would not, the Lord would not abandon his soul to Hades nor allow his Holy One to undergo decay. And this is the response of the crowd that day power of the gospel this now when they heard this the bible says they were pierced to their heart they were pierced to their heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles brethren what shall we do what shall we do Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a do in response to his done. And it's not a do of works. We're not saved by works. It's a do of condition, as A.W. Tozer says. It's a do of condition. We have to respond. He's made the gift available. But we must receive it. We must believe on his name. We must repent, turn from our ways, take, make that 180 degree turn and change and walk in the ways that God has for us. And by the grace of God and by the power of his Holy Spirit, he's able to transform us when we do that. They were pierced to their heart. You see, the reality of the resurrection comes and pierces our heart because it brings us to a place of decision. Will you believe in him? What will you do with the resurrected Jesus? They were pierced. The Holy Spirit directed the message to the hearts of men and they were pierced, meaning their conscience was affected by the power of the gospel. They had to deal with this reality. That's why all over the world they're trying to shut down, mute Christianity. They're trying to mute the gospel because even hearing it brings accountability. And everyone within the sound of my voice this morning, I pray that you hear it. I pray that by the Holy Spirit, your hearts are opened this morning to believe and receive. And he says they stand in it. They stood in it. The Corinthians not only received it, but they stood in it, meaning that they would not be moved away from the gospel or fall away. You see, there's going to be some things that come in these times we're living in. 
that tests your ability to stand. And all throughout scripture, Paul exhorts us and he says, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm. Don't lose your standing. Don't fall for anything. Come on. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Stand for him. The power to stand, that's the power of the gospel. And he says they are saved by it on the condition that they hold fast to what he preached. And then Paul does this. He defines the gospel in the simplest terms. How many like it simple? I like it simple. Sometimes I make things too complex. But Jesus lays it out. And Paul lays it out here and he says, this is the gospel which he received, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and that's important, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Come on. That's it. That's it. You see, it's not complete without all three. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And he says, twice in this passage, he says, according to the scriptures. The second proof of the resurrection is the prophetic fulfillment of his resurrection. The scriptures said it would happen thousands of years before. Thousands of years before. Hundreds of years before. And here he says this scriptures according to, he says, what scriptures were he referring to? Because they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have that in their hands. They might have had some copies of the gospel circulating at that time, but all they had was the Old Testament scriptures. How many know that all throughout the Old Testament pointed to Jesus and his resurrection? It pointed to the suffering servant. In Isaiah 53, it talks of the suffering servant. He was, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That, those, that thorns were pressed into his head. The blood flowed down. He suffered for us. And by his stripes, they whipped his back, tore that skin off, and scourged him. By his stripes, we are healed. How many are thankful for that this morning? Psalm 22 describes the experience of the cross that Friday. Everything he suffered my, my, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me while he was suffering? All of it covered. Scripture points to it. Hosea points to it. He says, of the resurrection on the third day, we will be raised up with him. How many are excited for that? Praise God. There could be no triumph of re resurrection without the travail of crucifixion. He died for our sins. Crucifixion was one of the cruelest forms of capital punishment and torture. Something the Romans had perfected. You know, we get this English word excruciating from the Roman word out of the cross. Excruciating pain he experienced. Excruciating suffering. And it was one of the worst ways to die. You know, the victim's back was torn open by those scourgings. And then he was thrown on the ground and nailed through the wrists to that cross. And it pierced through that median nerve, clenching their fists. Pain pierced through their feet. What a terrible, awful experience. In addition to the excruciating pain, they suffered inhibited breathing. The weight of the body pulling up and down, the arms and the shoulders tended to fix, tried to 
fix the respiratory muscles in an in, in, in a inhalation state. Eventually, the victim would die of one of several causes, acute shock from blood loss, being too exhausted to breathe any longer, dehydration, stress-induced heart attack, or congestive heart failure leading to a cardiac rupture. The Bible says when they pierced his side, the blood and water flowed out. I mean, no, not only was he physically suffering, he was emotionally suffering as he carried the weight of the sin of the world. Spiritually suffering. He said, Lord, if be your will, take this cup from me the night before. But nevertheless, your will be done. His cup, that suffering, we can never forget the price he paid. Paul preached a crucified Christ. Why? Because when we look upon that cross, we look upon his pain and his suffering, we see that it was our sin that put him there. It was our sin that he's paying for. The, the price of sin should make us go, I don't ever want to sin again because look at what it did to him. What a tremendous price to pay for my sin. The innocent, sinless, holy Lamb of God paying the price for me. Christ crucified. Because when you see Christ crucified, he says to the Galatians, he says, to whom... I presented to you Christ crucified. I don't want to know anything amongst you except Christ crucified. That was his preaching. That was Paul's ministry. Then he says, he was buried. You know, Jesus didn't just disappear and then reappear. His body was wrapped and placed in a tomb. He was buried. And on that first Easter morning, the two Marys showed up to anoint him. And they found the tombstone rolled back. And they saw the empty grave. And they saw their two angels. And the two angels said, asked this question to him. Why do you look for the living one among the dead? Woo! Come on, we've done a little bit of that if we're honest in our life. You see, we look for life in dead places. We've looked for life in success. We've looked for life in dead religion. We've looked for life in relationships. We've looked for life in drugs and alcohol and all these things, and we, it's not there. He says, he's not here. Come on. He is risen. He is risen. He's not here. He's risen. The stone was rolled away. You know, it was a temporary, it was a borrowed tomb because he couldn't decay. Come on. Joseph Arimathea's VRBO. Come on. <laughs> temporary. He wasn't staying to decay. He was coming out. And let's be clear this morning. That stone was rolled away not so that he could get out, but so that we could come and see that empty tomb. His resurrected body, he could pass through some things, amen? He is risen. And why was this important? There was a thing called the swoon theory. And swooning is to faint, is from extreme emotion. And it went around as an, as an explanation of how Jesus really wasn't raised from the dead. So a woman wrote to a, to a theologian named J. Vernon McGee, and she said, 
our preacher said that on Easter, Jesus was just swooned on the cross. And the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? McGee, McGee replied, he said, Dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for three days, and then see what happens. Please don't do that to me. I don't believe that. Come on. Woo. He was raised on the third day, and without the resurrection, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Later, Paul, he, had, he was writing this passage because there was a few of these Corinthians who apparently claimed to be Christians but didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Not sure how that works. So he's addressing it, and he says, he says, uh, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. We of all must be the most pitiable of men if we really, if that didn't happen. Come on. Come on, how many know it happened? <laughs> it happened. The cross was the payment for sin. The resurrection was the receipt. The resurrection was the proof of his con conquest. Triumph over the grave. Triumph over death and hell. Come on. Lastly, the first proof was the power of the gospel. The second proof was, that, was the fulfillment of Scripture. And then thirdly, he gets to the witnesses. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 5 through 8, he says, And that he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter. Then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. You see, the resurrection was a historical fact, a truth. It happened. And you see, even though some had come to believe, not believe in the resurrection of the dead, he says, I've got some witnesses, and they're still here. They're still around us. They're still breathing. Some of them not, but they're still, they were there. They met the resurrected Christ. You cannot deny their testimony. And I love that he calls out Peter, because somewhere it says, after the two men were on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, and they came back and reported to the disciples. They said that he's met with Simon. Now, we don't know what happened in that meeting, but we know what happened to Peter before two days, where he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus said, I prayed for you. Satan's come to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that you'd make it. How many know Jesus is praying for us that we'd make it? And so he goes to Peter, and I don't know what he said, but maybe it was to comfort him. Maybe it was to say, hey, I still love you, Peter. There's still a plan and purpose for your life. You see, you might have denied him. You might have turned from him. 
But this morning you can turn back and he's still calling to you. The resurrected Jesus is still calling to you, saying, I still love you. I haven't rejected you. Return to me. And then he says it was the disciples. You know, they were gathered for a meal after this great event of the crucifixion, and they're in fear of the Jews, and all of a sudden Jesus just shows up coming through the wall. Come on. (laughs) He shows up in their midst. And reveals himself. And, and so it says the disciples, the 12, he revealed, to, he revealed himself to them. And then he says there were 500. Now we don't have any direct scriptural reference other than this. But 500 disciples he revealed himself to probably in Galilee. That's a lot of witnesses. That's more witnesses than we have for some significant historical events that we just count on. It's established, he said, it's not only by the virtue of the power of the gospel, it's not only by the virtue of fulfillment of scripture, but we've got some witnesses here today, Corinth, to his resurrection, to the resurrected Jesus. And here's what Peter says, he's preaching in Acts chapter 10 at the home of Cornelius, and he says, we are witnesses of all things he did, both in the land of Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, look at this, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. See, he wasn't just a spirit. He was in a body. Come on, church. And he ate and he drank and he was hanging out with them. But he came and he revealed himself to those who he chose. Those who already believed. Are you with me, church? Because the world says, prove it and I'll believe it. Jesus says, believe it, and I'll prove it. In John 14, I'm about to close. John 14, verses 18 through 19 says, I will not, he's speaking to his disciples in that upper chamber in the night of his betrayal. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. After a little while, the world No longer is going to see me, but you are going to see me because I live, you also will live. I mean, they were probably devastated in that moment. They had no idea what those next few days held. Fear gripped them. They said, we've left everything for you, Jesus. They left their business, their families, their livelihood. They followed Jesus. They had seen the miracles. They had grown so close to him. And in this moment, he says, I'm leaving you. And where I'm going, you can't go. And I'm sure their hearts are trembling. Their hearts are, what do we do now? Our hero's leaving. But he would later say, it's for your benefit. It's for your good that I go. Because I'm going to send you a helper. But he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You see, in their culture, if you were a a disciple of a teacher and that teacher died, you were considered an orphan. And so they're like, "Where? if he's going, we're going to be orphans. We're left without a father. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you. And Jesus this morning speaking to some hearts this morning, I will come to you. You're not alone. I am here with you. Don't be afraid. I love you. I have not left you. Some of you felt like God, you've been in some tough seasons. You've been going through some stuff, and you're like, where is God? And he says, I have not left you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always to the end. I'm coming to you. But I love that he said, because I live, you also will live. He's, the living one is wanting to reveal himself. Will you receive him? Will you believe on his name? And then he says, lastly, and most last of all, as to one untimely born, Paul says, he appeared to me also. Paul's story, come on. Saul to Paul. Saul, the persecutor of the church. Saul, the one who had gone after the believers, who persecuted those believers, who was on his way to do more of it. And all of a sudden, Jesus intercepts his path, knocks him off his horse. He's blinded. He says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. You see, he was saying, when you persecute my people, you're persecuting me. I feel it. And after that, his heart was turned. You see, God opened, he was blinded here, but the eyes of his heart were open to the reality of the Savior. And his whole life mission changed because of that encounter, that moment on the way to Damascus. Can I have the worship team come? You see, he turned the doubter and the persecutor, the doubter and the persecutor became the defender and the proclaimer of the faith. The one who would minister all over that region, right? Half of the New Testament. That's a tribute. That's a proof to the power of the resurrection to radically transform the persecutor into the proclaimer. And he's still changing lives today. Would you stand to your feet for just a moment as we close? I can remember, it's now been 25 years. 25 years this year. When the Lord revealed himself to me. And the reality of his resurrection power touched my life. And I was never the same again. I was rebellious. I was bent on my own way. I was selfish. See, I had looked for the living amongst the dead. And there comes a point where you've been looking for life in all the wrong places. And then Jesus comes and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. You believe on me. See, and he encountered my life. And he said, everything you've experienced, everything you've been involved and that's just a counterfeit but what I have for you is real now you make the choice this or that you see there was a do but it was a do of condition would I receive would I believe on his name
would I put my entire trust in him with my life? And I feel like there's some here today, you're in that place. You're in that place of decision, or maybe, maybe you're in a place of, I, I feel like I've been losing my standing. I've slipped a little bit. I've fallen a bit. See, he's here to pick you up. No better day like Resurrection Sunday to start afresh. Come on. For a fresh restart in your life. He's able to quicken you. His resurrection power is alive today. And if if you'll believe on him, if you'll receive him, that same power that raised him from the dead will lift you up this morning. Out of that miry clay, out of that place of darkness, he shines his light into that, the light of the gospel into that place of darkness. Will you receive the gospel? Will you stand in it? Will you be saved by it this morning? Can we just close our eyes out just for one moment? Just if you'll take a moment. Between you and the Lord, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've gone each our own way. But he took upon us, on him, the iniquity of us all. He took it upon himself. And you see, we've all broken his moral law. We've, we've committed adultery if we've even looked at somebody and lusted. We've stolen thinking about it. We've lied, we've cheated, we've, we've, we've broken those commandments. And so therefore, by virtue of the law, we are guilty as charged and we deserve death. The Bible says well, the wages of sin is death. But there's a but. How many are thankful this morning for a but? It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Gift of God is eternal life. And it's yours if you believe it. If you'll receive it, if you'll put your trust in him this morning, if you will believe in your heart, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, that's it. That's it. What will you do with his resurrection? Tozer says the question we must answer is not what we think of the Bible, what we think of Christianity, or what we think of the church, but what will we do with this Jesus whom God raised from the dead? What will we do with him? You may have your opinions of us crazy, wild Christians, but when it comes to judgment day, that's not going to be the question. It's going to be, Jesus, what did you do? with Jesus and if this moment you don't know in your heart beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've made him Lord of your life now is the time now is the time receive it believe it trust in him give him your life it's his to begin with he gave you life give it back to him And he'll give you new life, resurrection life this morning. That's the God we serve. He's the God of the living. He brings us out of death, despair, and destruction. And brings us into life eternal. And this is life eternal, that we may know him. 
Jesus. Is that your cry this morning? I want to know you, Jesus. You can open your eyes. I want to ask you this. If you need prayer, there's all sorts of wonderful, Holy Spirit-filled people around you. I want you to do this. If you'd be so bold, prayer for anything. Prayer say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus or I need to commit my life to Jesus for the first time this morning. Or maybe you've got something going on in your life you need prayer for. I want you to slip your hand up where you're at right now. Slip your hand up. Just keep that hand up. You see these hands, church? Look around. Would you guys at your tables find somebody and I want you to just go stand next to him just stand next to him where they're at that's it that's it and let's just pray can we pray this morning church we're just going to pray for each person here Father, we thank you, Lord, for the life that you give. This morning, I just pray, Lord, for each and every person here, God. Lord, you know what they're going through. You know where they're at. We thank you, Lord, for those who are putting their trust in you, Jesus, that today is a new day, Lord. They are a new creature in Christ Jesus. If you need to give your life to Jesus, if you're one of those who raised your hand, just tell them, say, ask somebody and say, hey, do you need to respond to this? Do you need to respond to this? And we're going to pray. Can you pray? Can we pray together, church? Jesus. You can repeat after me. Jesus. Thank you that you died for my sins, that you were buried, and that you were raised to life again. I believe this morning that God raised you from the dead. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need your grace. Lord, I receive your forgiveness this morning and I make you Lord of my life from this day forward. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Come, Lord, right now, Jesus. Fill us afresh. Thank you, Jesus. From this day forward, I want to follow after you. In Jesus' mighty name, I make you Lord of my life. 